Welcome birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast, where birders talk birding. My guest on the Bird Banter Podcast episode 112 is Pete Jansen, a Kansas birder who's an avid county birder in Kansas. After talking with Pete, I got to thinking again about listing. I think it's fair to say that most people who consider themselves birders keep some sort of record or lists of the birds that they see. It may be a list of species in their yard, their county, maybe their state, the major area they they live in, like the American Birding Association area, the ABA area, or the world. Some of us keep a list of exactly what species we see and how many of each species we see pretty much every time we go birding. eBird makes that easy. Before electronic record keeping, some people did this in a diary or a notebook. We had checklists for the areas we went to. Then the computer age came along and some people used spreadsheets or databases. And then, then programs specific to birding came along like Avasys and BirdBrain and some other popular uh, record keeping lists, resources. Now, most of us, in the U.S. at least, and a lot of people around the world, use Cornell Labs eBird or a similar online resource to keep our records. I use eBird, as do most of my friends who go birding. It's really changed the way that I and really a lot of birders approach birding. It's equal the playing ground for birders. It used to be you pretty much had to earn your way onto a, a phone tree or some other way to access uh, quick information to the birds that came along before you did the weekly check of the county or state birding hotline. Uh, but now, using eBird, you can get hourly reports of rare birds sighted. You can scour eBird for birds you want to find. You can plan your trips using eBird. So it's really a great resource. And it's equalized the playing ground. Anyone can use it. Another aspect of using eBird, though, is that it automatically keeps your lists, keeps your county list, your state list, your major region and world lists up to date. And if you go and enter your old records into eBird, then it keeps lifetime lists for you too. So I can easily see how many species I've seen this year or really any other year or all time, literally in any county or state or major area in the world. I can even do it for hotspots. I can look at a specific place that I go, and if it's an eBird hotspot and I enter my data into eBird on it, I can see how many species I've seen at that hotspot, and I can look to see what species have been seen at that hotspot that I haven't seen at that hotspot. It's kind of crazy how detailed it can let you kind of dial down into things. And it also makes it much easier to be a county lister. Unless you compare your list to the eBird list of other birders, making hopefully friendly competition for leadership in a given area. For example, in Pierce County, Washington, where I live, I just looked, and in this year, 2021, I've seen 212 species, which puts me in fifth place for species seen this year in the county, behind good birding friends Bruce Labar, he was on episode three, Heather, Heather Balish and Marcus Roenig on a later episode, and Wayne Sladek. And I can similarly look at my Washington list for the year, the lower 48 list for the year, the ABA area, the world area, any, any area I want to look at. I can see that my guest, Pete Jansen, this episode, has a number three all-time list for species seen in the state of Kansas that are on eBird at 437 species lifetime. And it is easily the top eBird lister in his home county of Sedgwick, Kansas, with 350 species lifetime. I can also see that he's been less active listing this year with only 23 Sedgwick County lists in 2021 for 131 species. This is a lot of trivia, uh, but it just, I really bring this up for, for 
to let you get a feel for the ease of record keeping using a program like eBird and how it really lets you dial down into information. For me, it's also a great way to go down memory lane. I looked at my Kansas list for, on eBird, and it was just one day while I was traveling from a greater prairie chicken lek in Ray, chicken lek in Ray Colorado to a lesser prairie chicken lek in Canadian Texas. My late wife Kay, along with a good friend Ken Brown, and I drove through Kansas on the way, uh, and we managed to get a list of 38 species on the trip on a really windy day uh, on a daytime drive. We made one stop for 41 minutes at the waste treatment plant in Liberal, Kansas, which during the episode today, Pete tells me no longer has public access. Lots of trivial information, but it, it just makes it fun to have records like that that are easy to keep and easy to access. Uh, Pete Jansen, my guest, is trying to see 150 species in every Kansas county. He talks briefly about this episode, but Kansas has 105 counties, making this a lot bigger task than the 39 counties where I live in Washington. Uh, I'm kind of glad I don't have so many counties in this state. Uh, he's well on his way, though, and county birding is a fun challenge and, and a kind of an obsession for a lot of us. Well, I learned a lot about birding in Kansas, where the east meets the west along the Mid-Continental Flyway, making Kansas, as I learned from Pete today, the state that lacks either mountains or coastal access, the state with the largest list of species, bird species. I hope you enjoy hearing from Pete and learning about Kansas birding as much as I did. Welcome, Pete Jansen, to the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 112. Pete, welcome to the Bird Banner Podcast. Thanks for doing this with me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's good to hear you. I, uh, I've kind of set a personal goal to talk to somebody from as many states as I can on the show. So here goes Kansas. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I found you on eBird. You're a, a top uh, eBird lister in Kansas, and, uh, and it looks like you've written a couple of books about birding in Kansas. So uh, tell me, what's birding in Kansas like? I have to say, my, my entire Kansas experience is when I did a, a fancy chicken trip in Colorado, and we couldn't find a lesser prairie chicken lek that we could get into in Colorado. So we drove to Canadian Texas from Ray, Colorado, and just did a little bit of a highway driving in Kansas and stopped at a place called the Liberal Sewer Treatment Plant that looked interesting when we drove, drove by it on Highway 83. So that's that's the extent of my Kansas birding. Tell me about birding Kansas. I mean, you can't get in there anymore. Oh. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a good state to bird. I, I haven't really updated these statistics, but at one point we were the inland, in, let's see, how do, you, how do you put this? We were the of, of non-coastal states without mountain ranges, we have the largest species list of any other comparable state. So if you're not on the coast and you don't have any mountains in the state, then, then we're, by that metric, we're the best birding state as far as the total checklist. Yeah, I saw it's a big list. I was pretty impressed. And just the county you live in, my goodness, you've got a county. I, I mean, I live in on the Puget Sound. We've got Mount Rainier. We've got the Puget Sound. And, and your county list is 80 birds bigger than my county list. So it's uh, it's impressive. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty, you know, OCD about things. But yeah, that, that list was accrued over 40 years. Yeah, so, so. was mine. <laughs> Yeah, I have one of my best friends lives on Bastion Island, by the way. Oh, nice. Uh, who's that? Is it, some, oh, is, is it a birder? 
He's not a murderer. Not somebody I'd know. Okay. Yeah, Vashon is Vashon is King County. That's a uh, I look at Vashon most days in the spring and fall when I go to the right to the shore here in Tacoma and look out across uh, the commencement bay to Vashon Island. So it's uh, right there. I have spent some time with George Gertz, who you may know. Oh, sure. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. He 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 came here to see prairie chickens one time. Okay. But anyway, so I mean, it, it's a it's a good state for birding, but you you know that it varies. You know, because we're on the you know the center of the continent, you have to visit the far east and the far west if you really want to maximize your state list. Which I'm I have a pretty good state list. You know, it can be real. It can be pretty exciting. I don't know. Uh, well, I don't even know where to where to start, really. But uh, as far as Sedgwick County, where I live, we've gotten most of the eastern stuff here. I mean, it, it's predominantly an eastern species mix here, but because we're fairly close to the central wetlands, mm-hmm. the, the shorebird list is is pretty high for here. And we used to have an open air landfill here, and uh, which is long gone. But gull records, we had a number of vagrant gulls that showed up there. Mm-hmm. They even let us in there to bird. And then we were far enough west. We've had enough western vagrants show up here, and I've managed to see most of those. And uh, that that's. It's just kind of a combination of those factors because, frankly, this this county, I mean, if you were picking the top five or six birding counties in the state, this really would not be one of them. Mm-hmm. But just kind of the, and, I, and people have birded here for many years. I, I have, when I researched my book, I found uh, or the one about Sedgwick County birds. There's some old historical records, even from the 1880s and the... Uh, and around 1912, that were pretty interesting in a historical context. Give me some examples. What 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 type of things are you talking about? Well, you know, so, some of the stuff about pro- probably the most appalling thing I found was uh, was records of uh, you know wagon loads of Eskimo curlews being sold in uh, open air markets downtown here, right oh, here my. in Wichita. Wow. You know, as early, I mean, as late as the 1890s. Wow. You know, I think I'd have to refresh my memory now. Yeah. We, we don't think of things like that, uh, you know, passenger pigeons, of course, and, and Carolina parakeets, but uh, wow, that's something. Yeah. Oh, and that, yeah, well, that's another one. We, I actually did find a, uh, a, a pretty solid record for passenger pigeon from the county. Only one, but it was a flock of 10 that was, you know, reported by a competent academic observer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was that. And, uh, oh, you know, there used to be like abundant greater prairie chickens here and they're all gone. And, and uh, there used to be far more wetlands here in the county and they've largely been drained. So, you know, a lot of species like king rail and so on that used to be considered common here are uh, exceptionally rare now yeah it's a, a story uh often told in many places unfortunately mm-hmm. sure 
Yeah. So it sounds like you've been birding a long time. How did you get into birding? Oh, I was, I, it goes back to my childhood. I, my, my mom encouraged it. We lived, we lived out in the country and she actively encouraged it. And there were some, uh, family friends that had a strong natural history interest and, uh, they kind of, uh, you know, encouraged me to get, get the same interests. So that, that's how it all started. Then we came here to Kansas and I kind of kept going with it. Oh, the last half of the seventies or so I, uh, kind of drifted away from birding for a while, but then I got back into it, uh, pretty heavily again in the early and mid eighties. So like most of us have been times when we're more active birding and times when we're less, mm-hmm. but it sounds like, uh, through the course of your adult life, it's been more on than off. Oh yeah. 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 I've, I've been pretty ardent here in the state now for, you know, a good 35 years. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're certainly well known in the state as a birdie. You've written the seems still to be the authoritative text on, uh, oh, on no, the bir- no, 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 no. Okay. No, it is not. Okay. So the authoritative text, the, there's been, there's, I mean, I, I is called, just called Kansas birds and it's by a consortium of, uh, people with uh, postdoctoral degrees okay which uh, i do not have now my th- this one that i wrote you know, so th- this is one that my co-author was approached to uh, to write by the university press of kansas and they, they visualized a uh, a book that would be useful for not for beginners but for people that were making the next step past beginning birding Mm-hmm. So that's what the book's targeted at. Okay. It only has it only has about two thirds of the species in the state. We left out all the vagrant and rare stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, had a small section on on burning hot spots. That book may be revised, but University Press has really ha- had a rough spot here in oh. the last year. They almost went out of business. Mm. But they're 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 going to continue leaner and meaner, and we're, we're still waiting to hear whether or not we proceed with a revised edition. Okay. We will have a few more species and a lot more hot spots. Okay. You know, that's not uh, unlike the, the ABA is putting out a series of books that are sort of similar to that now. Uh, maybe not so much about the hot spots, but more, the, more of a, a birding guide to the relatively common uh, species of each state. So I know there's one for Washington, one for Oregon, and I don't know if they're doing one in Kansas too, but that, that would be, it's a photographic and uh, descriptive, so it would be modifiable to that context if they want to do one for, for Kansas, I would think. No, no I, I think Kansas is pretty much off the ABA's radar screen. The constituency <laughs> just isn't big enough. Yeah, it could be. Oh, well, definitely. I'm, that, that is the case. Okay, very well. And then this 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 one here, Burgess Sedgwick County. Mm-hmm. You can see that that that's that's more of a r- academic publication where I compiled all known. I tried to compile all known records for the county and also uh, Cheney Reservoir, which it, it has a little bit of it encroaches into two other counties slightly. Okay. So that that's that's more of a drier, uh, you know, academic sort of publication. Yeah, I did. I did more work on that one, really. Sure. A lot, 
lot of, a lot of research and it really needs to be updated too, but I don't know. I don't know if I'll find the time or not. Yeah. Uh, his, historical records like that can be really fun uh, yeah, for bird nerds. I don't know for anyone else, but can, All be, right. can be pretty cool. And the thing with that kind of book is it has a fairly short half-life. So it's it's already kind of out of date in a way. So sure. I don't know. If I find the time after I retire, I might fool around with it again. Yeah. Sounds like something to put on your to-do list, but not at the front of it. Mm-hmm. Correct. Very cool. In birding in Kansas, you've uh, done a lot around your county, a lot around your state, uh, and you're near Wichita. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm in Wichita. Which, yes. And Wichita, is that the major airport in Kansas or Kansas City? I don't know. Well, Kansas City Airport is technically in Missouri. Okay. I mean, you know, by population, Wichita is the largest city because Kansas City, Kansas is only, uh, you know, like a third or a fourth of the total Kansas City population. Okay. So you probably have a fair bit of flights traveling through Wichita then. If somebody were going to be in Wichita for, you know, a day or two or three, uh, where would you tell them to go birding? From Wichita? Well, first of all, you probably want to foremost consider Quivira National Wildlife Refuge and Cheyenne Bottoms. Mm. Those are both, you know, two hours or less from the city. And, uh, you know, that... You know, especially that. Well, they both have a pretty good road system within the refuge, and you can accomplish quite a bit birding from you know from the road. Mm-hmm. They're both pretty user friendly. Nice. And then, you know, I mean, people that birders that come here, <clears throat> you know, sometimes it's people from out west wanting eastern stuff. You know, it's anything within a, in the in this area is going to be eastern species. I mean, if you go, if you go like 90 miles southwest of town, you get to an area that's of particular interest to me, the uh, the Red Hills, which is uh, interesting geologically and biologically. And then about 90 to 100 miles southeast of town is a habitat called the Cross Timbers, which is also... Uh, pretty fascinating from an ornithological and a geological standpoint. And then, you know, so th- those those are probably your, your best ones if you have a day to burn. Yeah, nice. Sounds like some pretty good places nearby. Certainly, I think most birders have heard of Cheyenne Bottoms as a good place mm-hmm. to go. Quivira is really the better of the two. Oh, for, really? For, for some reason, it never... I, I, I don't know why, but, you know, a lot of out-of-state birders are not aware of it, but it it has really, I mean, the good habitats are much more accessible and, uh, you know, at the bottoms, it's so huge that, you know, a lot of things are, are out of, even out of scope range. But Very cool. Over is much more user-friendly and, uh, fr- frankly, probably has a larger species list, although that I, I, I don't have that data in front yeah. of me. A lot of that depends on how heavily they're birded in addition to how many birds mm-hmm. are out there too. So uh, how many birders, are there a lot of birders around your area? Do you have a, a pretty uh, active local birding uh, group or are you few and far between? Well, okay. So Wichita Audubon is, is, is aging demographically pretty, you know, pretty noticeably. Uh, I, I, I would say, you know, if you're if you're making a list of people that would 
drop anything and go chase, uh, you know, a new state bird that live in the Wichita area, that that's probably a list of about 20 or 30 people. Okay. So that's respectable. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that's, people, that's people, you know, yeah, one real, really call, avid. Yeah. One phone, one phone call for a state record and, you know, they're out the door before you hang up. Yeah. That, that's probably about the number. That's and, a, I'd call it about average, probably for a good sized city. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that for, you know, they have a, they really have a larger birding community in Northeast Kansas. They're kind of that Kansas city, Overland park, uh, Lawrence, Topeka area. There, there, there's, there's really more active birders there and more younger birders there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of used to be the other way around, but we're the old fogies here now. Yeah. And they, they're a lot, lot younger and just generally seem to be a lot more active in that Northeast Kansas corridor in recent years. Sure. I saw, uh, I saw on your biography, I think, I don't remember if it was on eBird aware that uh, you've been at least a member. I don't know how active in the uh, Kansas Ornithological Society. How, how active is, do you call it cost? I'm in WAS, Washington Ornithological Society. Mm-hmm. I'm on the board there and we're uh, variably active and do a modest amount of stuff. How about uh, the Kansas Society? What's that, what's that up to? Well, uh, they, they have two annual meetings, although the last two years have been uh, sure COVID, you know. But yeah, the, the fall meeting is always a papers session with a major speaker and a banquet mm-hmm. and, uh, and a half day of birding. And then the spring trip is just all field trips. Mm-hmm. And both, I mean, the fall meetings they try to do typically in an area with a you know, a major college or university, mm-hmm. the field trips can be anywhere. Sure. And they, they, they really, really take, move those around the state. I mean, as far as myself, I've been on and off the board a lot. And, you know, I, I've planned some of the, some of the meetings I've been the, you know, the point man or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there again, that's, it's another group that's aging demographically and, uh, you know they have uh, they have uh, quite a bit of money, but they don't do anything with it. You know they have they have a you know a very fiscally conservative guy that that's the treasurer, and uh, you know to, to me there's more things that they could be doing as far as publications in particular. I mean, like you know this book here was published with the Book Royalty Fund, which has like. $20,000 in it now or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that they, the agreement there was they would publish it, but they would get any profit that the book realized. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that generated about five grand in profits for the sure. royalty. And I'm the only person since the fund was established that has used it. Oh, period. <laughs> yeah. Mean, the it- fund's been there for 30 years. I am literally the only person that has ever used the fund for anything. So that, that's sort of an example of how KOS operates. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not like I'm really criticizing it, but it's a, you know, there, there's more they could be doing. I think that's true of WAS also. We're, we're trying to break out of not so much with a literary fund, but with, uh, you know, 
different things. We're trying to get our young birders fun, more active and doing different mm-hmm. things. And, and it's, it's, you know, inertia is hard and finding people to take leadership is not easy and, and it requires constant uh, energy. So I forgive you all. It's uh, uh, we're in the same way in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. So Pete, what do you see going forward for yourself in birding? Uh, do you see traveling a lot or continuing to be active locally or what's, what's in your birding dreams? Well, okay, so I'm one of the big fanatical county listers here, and uh, I'm like number two in total ticks for the state. So my, my, I'm trying to get to 150 species in all 105 counties. Wow. And I have 22 left to go. Wow. So I want, I want to get that done before I, you know, go to, go to the great burning grounds in the sky. And... Next year, I'm going to Alaska. Nice. I'm going on a, you know, a Nome and St. Paul trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope to get my ABA list over 700 on that trip. Well, that will probably do it. Yeah, it will do it. I only need eight more. And uh, so that, that's been another long time goal. And the way they're doing the way they're doing splits now you could probably just stay home and get to 700 <laughs> well maybe i don't know i'm just teasing none of, none, of the, none of the recent ones has affected me too much yeah it, it would know? it wouldn't be as much fun either yeah well you know i always look at those splits though waiting for something to happen but uh you know if they ever get around to fox sparrows i'll have a i got quite a few in the bag there and white breasted nut hatch that could be potentially three yeah yeah and i i don't, I don't know i don't remember the, all of them you know probably willet and the warbling vireo this is a bunch oh yeah yeah both of those yeah i've had both willets here in sedgwick county yeah good maybe maybe a new county bird photograph both on the same day nice nice here uh, so you've got some uh, got some ABA area plans. Those are fun to look forward to, and one in the not too distant future. So that's great. Uh, oh, on a sad note, I saw that you're a Cleveland Browns fan. Uh, couldn't quite pull it off last weekend, huh? Oh, uh, uh, I'm even getting it from this guy, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're correct. Yeah. Yeah. At least I don't have to live next to the Kansas City Chiefs, who are just uh, you know. They almost, they almost pulled it out. Yeah. 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 I, I saw on your Facebook uh, post that you were at a place with a bunch of a uh, bunch of Kansas City fans. Yeah, kind of, you kind of sniffed me out already. I did. It did. You can't hide your social media from the world. You know that's a that's an open fair game. And then I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to do some more work with Rufus Crown Sparrows also in the Red Hills area. Oh, what 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 are you doing there? Well, I can send you some PDF. I can send you a PDF of this latest paper. Have you, have you already interviewed somebody from Oklahoma? No. If you have a name, I'll take it. Well, you might try Zach Poland. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll send you this PDF when we're Perfect. done. And it has all his contact info. Terrific. So you're working on, on what specifically about those sparrows? Well, you know, they're, they're not very well understood and, uh, you know, it's, it's been determined in recent years that they uh, they were there was probably more of a population there in both Kansas, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma that then was fully understood. 
And then mostly as a result of this BBS route in uh, major county, Oklahoma, it had a big fire burn through it. Mm -hmm. And after the fire, it eliminated all this western red cedar. And all of a sudden, this population of rufous crown sparrows just immediately appeared and began to be seen regularly on the BBS route. Oh, that was kind of interesting. So, yeah. uh, I, I yes, that, that would be a good candidate for Oklahoma. That'd be good. I talking about wildfires. I just looked at the uh, Western Field Ornithologist newsletter that comes out every so often, and they had a really nice article about uh, uh, the history of wildfires in the West and uh, uh, how before Europeans arrived, there were many more wildfires than there are now they were you know Correct. most most areas burned regularly and frequently but there was a, a big mix of you know little wildfires and medium-sized wildfires and big hot wildfires and and it really uh, kept a big variety of habitat uh, available for a lot of species and now with fire suppression and various right. invasive weeds and various other things we we have less fires but more gigantic fires so it's, it's just it was pretty pretty interesting article this chester fire i mean it was really big you know it, it burned like 30 square miles or something but mm. yeah anyway yeah you, you might find the paper interesting i'll, I'll see yeah. very cool is it online or is it uh it's not online yet it was just published this spring oh, okay okay i'll uh i'll read it over and make a comment to it i, I do a blog post with each episode and so i'll make sure i uh kind of give a little synopsis of that in the blog post. I was going to say I put a link to it if it's online, but I'll, I'll just read it and make a little summary. I have a previous paper on Rufus Crown Sparrows that you can, it's available as a PDF online. Perfect. You can send me that too. That would be great. Same, same general region. So Terrific. Uh, so uh, what, uh, again, you're going to be traveling in the, in the ABA, going up to Alaska. Are there other areas of the country that you, you haven't had much of a chance to see that you're dying to get to? Well, I've been most of the good places at least once. I mean, as far as places I want to go back to, I, I would like to go back to uh, uh, Cape Hatteras again uh, and do two or three days around uh, Memorial Day some year. Mm -hmm. I, I'd really love the pelagic birding a lot. Oh, you do? Yeah. Not too much yeah. of that in Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I've been on quite a number of them. Uh, Very cool. I'd also like to do the uh, the Ventura, California trip. And uh, they do one in uh, July there that typically turns up some, some birds I need. I, I don't know what it is about Townsend Storm Petrol mm -hmm. that they seem to get like all the time. Yeah. But I want to do that. If you I love pelagic do. birding, I'll put a pitch in for that five-day searcher trip out of San Diego. Oh my goodness. That it's a September trip. Yeah. I did, I did it a few years ago. It was the it, it may be the best birding experience I've ever had. It was just unbelievable that it's, it's four nights and five days way out to sea on a boat big enough yeah. that you're not being thrown all over the place and strictly dedicated to birding. And it's incredibly affordable. I mean, it's, it's you know, almost less than renting a car and staying in a hotel and eating, eating at restaurants while you're birding. Yeah. I mean, it's just this fabulous. Oh, it's just crazy. Yeah, well, that, that one's on the bucket list. I mean, that, that one would be a, that one would be a spousal negotiation, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's 
Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that that's good. Yeah, I've already see. Okay, so then the, the best pelagic trip I've done was the wings tour from the cruise ship. I'm sure you're at uh-huh. least somewhere of those. Yeah, the repositioning was, cruises. They're pretty nice. No, 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 it wasn't repositioned. Oh. This, was, this was booking the regular cruise from L.A. to Glacier Bay and back. Oh, wow. And Paul Lehman is the mm-hmm. leader. Yeah, he's big on and those. So you just, well, basically, you just camp out in the bow of the boat mm-hmm. for, I mean, you know, you can come and go as you want. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that 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 goes way out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had like, you know, double digit Cook's Petrels and Murphy's Petrels. And uh, mm-hmm. and uh, that and then we got probably the most exciting bird of my my days was the Hawaiian Petrel on that trip. But, yeah, I, I picked up a whole I think uh, I think I got a dozen lifers out of that trip. Yeah. Th- those are great. I, I did one of those. I, I actually, our little uh, Tacoma birding club, the ABC birding club, uh, we have a pretty good group of birders and, and I, a couple of guys and I put together just a group to go down on one of the repositioning cruises from LA to Vancouver. And mm. it was just a one-way trip. It wasn't up and back. And, and we didn't have, we had a local friend, Bruce Labar came along as our spotter and he's a very good pelagic birder, but not not in Paul Lehman's class, probably, uh, but uh, still, it was a fabulous trip. And that we got those same birds. We got we got a Hawaiian petrel. We got a we got Murphys and uh, Cooks and you know Laysan albatross and uh, yeah, we uh, had three Laysans. Yeah, right. it, it was very very cool. And uh, it, but turns out we had su- such good birders. We had a, a group of uh, hot pelagic birders from uh from north carolina were over just doing the trip so they were right out there with us and uh uh christian hagenlocker and during anderson oh, a yeah. couple of were on the trip with us so we had there were i think there were 16 people in my group but another probably 15 just top birders out there so we just had we didn't have an official uh paid leader but we certainly had a lot of talent so it was really good yeah yeah i love the pelagic stuff too so, you know, I, I don't know. I still need a few strays. I, I need a few vagrants in Arizona and a few in Texas. And, you know, those, I need to have four or five exotics in Florida, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, those are all fun to go for. So you've got some, yeah. good, you've got some good stuff for retirement. I, I recommend retirement. It's, it's treating me nicely and uh, it's, it's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It's just whenever I do, it'll be a significant drop in income so i gotta decide when uh, when i can uh, you know absorb that so. sure i hear you i hear you i'm yeah. making pretty good money these days so. that that's good sock some away mm, oh i am yeah good for you good for you well that sounds great uh pete uh do you have any causes or organizations you want to put in a pitch for anything that uh you know, you'd like uh, birders to hear about well Okay, so first of all, I wanted to mention it somewhere in this interview. You know, there's a uh, there's a consortium of ranchers in Gove County. Okay, which probably well, it's probably indisputably the core range of lesser prairie chicken now. I mean, there you know some of those lakes have fifty and sixty birds, and that uh, that they have they are actively promoting ecotourism they, they they have a whole setup with blinds and they've had lots of groups come in so a lot of the major 
ecotourism groups are using them, and even European agencies. Sure. But I, I would really encourage people. I mean, first of all, that's the number one bird that out-of-state birders ask about when they're sure. wanting to come here. You know, where can I drive up and see a prairie chicken? You mm -hmm. know, and typically they always want to do it in the summer or at Christmas when, when they're not, when <laughs> not they're easy anyway. And it, it's really, I mean, it's not impossible. It's just highly improbable. Sure. But, you know, you really have to be there in the spring when they're on the booming grounds. Sure. And, you know, but you know, they, they find, you know, I mean, I had a little bit to do with getting that off the ground. I mean, a little bit, I'll take a modest amount of credit for steering somebody in the right direction. But I would really like to see lots of birders contacting these guys and booking those blinds solid, like all the time. Because, I mean, they're, they're basically gone from Colorado. The, even the population in the Cimarron grasslands in Morton County, which is probably the number one birding destination in the state, mm -hmm. even, even that population is on life support. Wow. And even in Oklahoma, where you went, even that population's in trouble, mostly because of wind farms. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, you see all of the New Mexico, Texas, Colorado populations, they're, they're not doing well. But in Kansas, you know, primarily because of CRP and, and some other programs, uh, they're, they're, they're actually expanding in range to some degree. Okay. Send me the link to that and I'll make sure I put it in the, in the podcast notes. You can get both of them yeah. there. Very cool. Yeah. You can get great. There's, they get, Usually they get a few graders on the same lack mm. where the lessers are the majority. Wow. I didn't know that they uh, lacked together. Very cool. Well, yeah, it's it's not widely known, but it's a fact. Cool. Cool. We'll put that one down as uh, mm -hmm. a new fact from Pete. Nicely done. <laughs> way cool. Yeah. So if a birder wants to reach out to you, how would they do that? What would be the best way to get a hold of you, Pete? Oh, you know, I'll, I'll give you my email address. Uh, well, you already have it. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't I mean, mind. I'm on, I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook. The, the Kansas birding, the Kansas birding Facebook group has like 7,000 members. And, uh, you know, the people, the people that are coming here, we, we get lots of out of state inquiries on there. Sure. And, sure. Uh, you know, I mean, if they want to reach me specifically, you know, I'm, I'm on Facebook. Very cool. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. Re that, that, that's how I got you. <laughs> yeah. Reaching out to that Kansas birding group, you know, if you put up a, you know, request for information, you'll probably be kind of overwhelmed with the responses. Yeah. Well, very cool. Well, Pete, thanks so much for being my guest today. It's really nice talking to you. Uh, I wish you all the best. Uh, if you ever get out this way, uh, reach out to me. I'll uh, uh, get you around the state. I have been to Washington. Yeah. yeah, you said you have a friend, a friend on Vashon. So oh cool. yeah, yeah, I birded around there pretty good. Yeah, we, I, I did a pelagic out of Westport, and uh, oh nice, yeah. And uh, we stayed in a beach cabin near Nia Bay for a few days. Yeah, uh, we we moan Nia Bay. This is our second straight fall without being able to go. The reservations closed due to COVID, and oh, that, is there? That is our go-to place from probably around now until early december it is just such a fabulous vagrant trap but yeah off, oh yeah. off limits again this year oh have you got somebody from arkansas yet i do not 
Okay, well, I'll send you somebody there too. Sandy Berger. That that's your that's your number one choice for Arkansas. Okay, we'll make sure we uh, uh, get a hold of both those people. Thanks so much, yeah. Pete. Okay. You take care and good luck with your Alaska trip and all your local birding and uh, stay safe and good birding. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks. I appreciate the time. Yeah, take care. Well, birds, thanks for listening. That wraps up the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 112 with Pete Jansen. A little more tri- trivia about Kansas. It's the 35, 35th largest state in terms of population, but the 15th largest state in terms of size. It was the 34th state in the Union, entered in 1861, just about the start of the Civil War. Uh, it's capitalist Topeka, and it is adds another state to the states that I have guests from. Other states I've had guests from on the on the podcast are Washington, of course, Pennsylvania, Idaho, Tennessee, Illinois, California, Georgia, Maine, Alaska, Arizona, Oregon, North Carolina, Michigan, Hawaii, Texas, Florida, and New York. Cool list. Anyway, I'd love to add more states to the list. So if you know birders in a state I didn't just list that you'd like to hear from on the podcast, reach out to me. You can get me on the Bird Banner podcast using contacts, uh, episode birdbanner.com. You can get me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. or Wherever you want to reach out, I'm easy to get a hold of. So please let me know if you have a birder from a state I haven't had represented on the podcast yet that you'd like to hear from. So thanks for listening. Until next time, good birding. Good day. <laughs>